Entrepreneurs know some of the most challenging times when starting a business are at the beginning. At Genesis, they've harnessed all that beginning excitement into the first ever electrified GV70, featuring the silhouette of a coupe and the capability of an SUV. Learn more at Genesis.com. Genesis, keep beginning. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. The show is all about celebrating the most extraordinary superwomen who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. Okay, so today with me, we have someone that doesn't climb in heels and typically in sweats, but still, she is perfect for climbing in heels. And I'm so happy to have her on. We have the incredible Los Angeles born and raised Sarah Foster. She is a former model, actress, business owner, entrepreneur, and incredible, really incredible super mom, just to name a few different hats that she wears. And in this episode, we talk about Sarah growing up with extreme privilege, the importance of rejection, growth, and going after the things you really want. I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. It is most definitely a favorite, totally unbiased, but Sarah is funny, she's candid, and she really just says it. She really means what she says, and she just lays it all out without any regret. So let me start first by saying, obviously, I'm so happy to have you on I've had so many of my favorite people on. Climbing in heels is really just, it's kind of funny because you barely wear heels. You do sometimes when you really care, but it's really not about heels. It's obviously, I use that as a very tongue-in-cheek way to really talk about my favorite women in my life, but really the ones who have gotten to the top in so many different ways, not easily. I don't care how you were born. doesn't matter. It's not easy. And I think we've all had different challenges in our journeys to where we are. And I think I really wanted to have you on because, you know, you're still the prettiest person I know, but I think taking all that away, taking all this sort of outside away, I think it's important that people know, and I think they're, they're starting to really see now how much you have to you and how much voice and opinion, how smart you are, how driven you are. What an amazing mom you are. And now like a crazy entrepreneur and venture capitalist. And the thing that I have to tell you in the 20 something years I've known you in no life did I think you'd start a clothing line, but here you are. And, no, it's, and it's doing so well. And I love it so much. So I want to talk about all these things. But I also want to start a little bit because I think it's very important to just go back a second. You're very open and candid about how you grew up, where you grew up things you weren't challenged with and things you are. But I do, I do want to sort of touch, you obviously grew up in LA, right? Yeah. Grew up with, you know, obviously famous dad. I'm going to say- grew up with a lot of privilege. <laughs> we can just say it. We can say it. Grew up with a lot of privilege. But I do want to talk about that because that's also such a thing right now that you're not allowed to actually be born of privilege and be successful without people trying to kick you down. And 
I don't believe in that. So, but you're very open about, I am born to privilege. And with that, I was very lucky in many ways, but let's talk about it. I just think this idea, first of all, I wouldn't say that I love that your podcast is about getting to the top in places. I am definitely so not at the top of any place. That's not true. I'm very much, I'm very much like in the middle maybe, but like. But you're still climbing, but you're still freaking climbing. Yes, yes. I'm definitely, definitely climbing, clawing maybe. So I think there's two things to it. I think it's really crazy to me that people that want to fight or deny this privilege thing. I think so many people feel like, okay, if I admit that I grew up in privilege, Mm -hmm. then it completely takes away from what I've built. Right. And I just don't agree with that. I think, I think it would be crazy to not admit and to not celebrate how I grew up. I grew up with privilege. I grew up, I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't have to worry about where my next meal was coming from. I didn't have to worry about how am I going to get to school? And yeah. Okay. Is that the reason why I have a Netflix show? No, because at the end of the day, you, it doesn't matter who your parent is. You have to write a good show to be right. But what it did do, you can't take away the kind of that safety net does to your mental health. I grew up with for the most part, like pretty great mental health, which then gives you opportunity. Of course. So yes, is yeah. my dad being a music producer? Is that the reason why I have a successful clothing brand that he didn't put a dollar into? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's, it's, no. By the way, I fucking love you. But yes, no. but yes. You're, you're but, right. <laughs> but I was able to build the blocks that I built to one day then started a clothing brand because of healthy relationships in my life, which were because I had a healthy childhood. So it's like, you just can't like take away what growing up with stability does to your future. It completely gives you a leg up. And I think that's where people get confused is like, people get so defensive. They're like, I, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Like my mom was a famous this, but like, that is not why I am where I am. And we just have to like peel back the onion a little bit because a lot of the time it really is, but not because of the reason people think it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's actually such a good point because I think people don't even consider that fact. I think people actually just go to the, well, because she knows this and I'm sure her dad got her this, you know, connection and I'm sure blah, 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 blah. People get so defensive. They're like, well, my mom didn't make a phone call for me to get that job. It's like, okay, but we're not even talking about that. Yes. Like Kate Hudson might have gotten into certain rooms in the beginning because her mom is Goldie Hawn, but she did not get nominated for an Oscar because her mom is Goldie Hawn. It's 1,000% correct. Goldie Hawn <laughs> is not showing up and morphing into Kate Hudson to deliver the lines and create <laughs> an Oscar-winning performance. So it's true. Anyways, no, I, no. I feel like I'm screaming. Am I screaming? Yes, but it's okay. It's your passion. Not screaming loud. Like it's not, it's not yeah. offending me in any way. But I do want to point out and similar, you know, it's funny. I've had so many incredible women on the podcast and some of them have grown up in full struggle, in full survival mode, in full, like, I didn't know where my next meal was coming from and, you know, quite opposite. But I have to say they have no resentment, no bitterness. And, and I think interestingly enough, how some people hide that they're from privilege. It's only now that some of these women are comfortable saying, I grew up in survival mode. You know what I mean? I grew up in survival mode from a single mom. I barely graduated high school, that kind of thing. And I think 
What's interesting and what I want to touch on is that you very recently talked about like, okay, I didn't graduate college. I didn't whatever. What are your thoughts on that? Because I like to touch on education because I have to say for as many people, I actually think 90% of the women that I've had on here did not go to college. A few didn't graduate high school. I personally have no, I couldn't care less. So for me, I want to know where you stand on that. And because I really, it doesn't define you. No, no. I think growing up when you are not growing up privileged, I think you develop a grit Mm -hmm. that is hugely beneficial to life. Yes. So I think we see a lot of kids that grow up with privilege and they've never had to develop the skills and the emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. when everything is handed to you to survive in life. Like we know a lot of people that grew up in great privilege and have never been able to figure it out in life because they never had to as a kid. Of course. So I grew up in privilege, but I also grew up where it was like a lot of tough love in my house. It was told to me at a very young age by my dad. He looked at us when we were very young and he was like, I want to be really clear. I have money. You do not have money. Yes. Okay. In my will, I will leave you money, but you are not, you are not coming into money. So I'm just, he laid it out very young. I think it's really kind of like lame and unbecoming when people never want to acknowledge how they were helped and how all those things. I'm like, come on, like, let's get real. But sure. I, I am, but I do have to say like, it was laid out really early on that I was not going to have a life of, it wasn't yeah, going to okay. be handed to you. No, he, he's, I asked him for parenting <laughs> advice when our kids were babies. And that's what he said to me. He said, you need to tell them that you are successful. They're not successful. You're rich. They're yeah. not. And I Listen, looked at I him. It I, stuck with yeah. me. It really stuck yeah. with me. I think if I knew I was like coming into money, like I can't imagine what that does to a young person developing. I probably would have been like amazing. Like right. why would I ever have to get my shit together? Sure. How great. I can like ride horses all day. That sounds amazing. <laughs> which you do want to so, do right now, by the way. Yeah. Which I do want to do now. It's all, that's the thing. When I think about all this, all this work, I'm like, I'm very clear. I, I all this work is to just get me to the farm where I can have horses in my backyard yeah. and not have to worry about yeah. a mortgage. Yeah. So my thoughts on college are, are this. I think for my kids, you know, they grew up in a house with 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 a dad who is Tommy had an undeniable talent at 3 years old. At 3 years old, it was like this is an undeniable talent. At 10 years old, it was like Oh, you're going to be the next Boris Becker of Mm -hmm. Germany. So he didn't, college wasn't even on the table because he had like a God-given undeniable talent as a tennis player. So Tommy Haas, everybody, if you don't know, but Tommy Haas, her very handsome other half and father of her two incredible children. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy, that is 0.0000001% of the planet. So he tells our kids like, you don't need to go to college. And I'm like, Tommy. That is horrible advice. They don't have God-given talent the way you do, okay? Mm -hmm. Most people don't. (laughs) And my feeling is because I did not go to college, it's not that I think going to college is, you know, that class you take in intro to biology is going to change change your life. life. But what I think it does do, I think that it creates kind of your future business partners. Mm -hmm. It's where you meet your future team, your Mm -hmm. future, like bunker, like Mm -hmm. all of the people I work with now reference, like, Oh, we met in business school Uh or we met in, we met in college and and they're now business partners. So it's not like, I think you need that, you know, economics class. Well, maybe you do, 
but I think that it really does set you on this path of your tribe. Yeah. And that's something that I didn't have because I didn't go to college. I was like a hustler. Like yeah. I was always like yeah. hustling and I didn't have a, a, a tribe of like-minded people. I never went into business with friends because I just, I didn't create that tribe early on. Yeah. So I, I, I fell into what I'm doing like a little later in life. And it, it was harder. Like it really was. I wish that I was doing what I'm doing now a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but that was my trajectory and, and that's okay. But that's why I want my kids to go to college unless they're all of a sudden going to wake up as a professional athlete. And short of being a professional athlete, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to be okay with like, okay, you're 18. You have this idea. Sure. Idea Start for, a business, but, raise money now. No, right. Really? Yeah. You have an idea for a business. Great. Well, that's not good enough. Right. Go to college yep. and work on your idea on the weekends. Yep. Like you don't get to just not go to college because you have an idea. So yep. I actually do believe in college because that's how I feel now. Well, I like that. Well, I'll tell you why, because, and I want to know if you felt like this, but Some of the women I've spoken to, in fact, I think all of them, because they didn't go to college, it was the thing that really, it was that box they didn't check. And they, in conversations with people, because up until you're probably like in your thirties, people go, where did you go to school? Oh, what college did you go to? Right. I don't know if it's such a thing here, but when I grew up, it wasn't like, are you going? It was, where are you going? Right. I, I do think it's this very loud conversation that happens now in society because I think a lot of kids aren't going and I think parents are starting to not really care that they're not going. But I think I think for me, the one thing I would say to your point and why I think you're you're making such a good point, I went to college and what I take from it is I grew up. I grew yeah. up. I learned to yeah. be on my own and live and live on my own and not go to my parents for everything and understand how to deal with things when I wasn't with my parents. And that was my, honestly, my biggest takeaway from those yeah. four years. And I also think there's something really, there's a real lesson in life at like during the process of applying to college. Yes. I mean, yeah. like, we, rejection. We, like <laughs> rejection, rejection is crucial. Rejection yeah. is crucial. Yep to life skills. Rejection is crucial to like how we're going to live our life as an adult. And I think this like society right now, I'm worried for this generation. I'm worried for for my daughter, your son's generation. These 12 year olds, they don't want to be uncomfortable for one second. Not a second. Valentina called me from school recently and was like, mom, I am so upset. The librarian, she looked at me she gave me a look and the look made me very uncomfortable and I go okay Valentina well what were you doing what what was what like explain it to me she's like well the librarian you know came up to me and told me you know asked me if I should if I should be in here I'm like I'm sorry what the librarian asked you if you were supposed to be in the library because it was during normal class hours and you weren't supposed to be in the fucking library <laughs> and she looked at you and it made you uncomfortable and now you want to like go write a song about it? This is our generation. I'm I like, know. oh my God, I know. toughen the fuck up, kids. Yep. It's, it's crazy. You're, you're, not, you're right. No, I'm like, not okay. So I want our kids to have a little bit of a thicker skin mm-hmm. because society is just making them so weak. I agree. And you know, it's funny, before we got on, I was saying to Emmy, I was like, you know, funny, my goals for Sarah when I met her as this gorgeous girl that opened Kate Hudson's front door 
in like her Uggs and her cutoff jean shorts and a white tank with a, you know what, in your hand. I'm not, a, not okay, sure. A lot, I was like 17. So like, I was not wearing like Uggs and booty shorts as an adult. I was No, like, no. She was literally a teenager, literally a teenager, not legal to do anything yet. And I, I literally, so. she opened the door and I was like, who the fuck is this supermodel? And then my goals and aspirations for Miss Sarah Foster after yeah. that was please be a supermodel. And she was yeah. like, no. And I was like, but really that would be like an easy way for you to like see the world, meet great people and make tons of money. And you had zero interest in that. You fought me tooth and nail. I did, but also like, let, I have to say that's not fully true. Like I did, tr I did no, try to model. A little. I did, no, I did try mm. and like nobody <laughs> else viewed me the way you did, I guess, because I didn't get that many jobs. <laughs> so I love you so much, but I did try to model. So like you're not really model material. No, it was really that you just, you, you honestly didn't want it. It was, I think, because more people were like telling you to do it rather than you really wanting to do it. I think if we're being honest, like who doesn't want to be a supermodel? I think I wrestled between like, okay, of course, who wouldn't want it if they're trying it? But then I think I never... I don't know. I think I was afraid that like, listen, it's the, it's the classic thing, right? If I really admitted I wanted it, if right, I really admitted that I tried right. or that I want to try, and then if it didn't work out, then that says something about me. And now, of course, as an adult, I can look back and understand that. But in it, my whole 20s were based around longing for a guy that dumped me and like didn't want me. Mm -hmm. and, and how do I look? I, and how do I look? How do I, yeah. And <laughs> And am I a model? Am I an actress? Yep. Like, what am I? And Jesus, I just so hope more for my daughters. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So I want to talk about that. So you go into sort of modeling, acting, Backstreet Boy video, which I just watched and died oh because I just, for me, every time I see those, it's like, this is your life. So I want to talk about that because do you feel like growing up in LA it's just like the thing, right? Like, so I didn't go to college. I look like this. I'm so-and-so's daughter. Am I just supposed to go into entertainment? Or at any point where you like, did you go to sleep at night going, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like what, oh do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what, because I obviously knew you then, right? And to me, it was just like, you're the most lovable person. You're everybody's favorite. Like you are who you are though. Like you establish very clearly who you are as a friend who you are in people's lives. You're really not full of shit. You're not a bullshit person. You're not, I think you're a very specific person. And I think like, I don't know, you're very open about how you feel about things. And I think for me, I just wonder, did you just say like, okay, maybe I like acting. Maybe I want to do this. Maybe I'm really going to go for this. But how, you know, because I feel like a lot of people grow up here and they just, it's like assumed they may do that or very much assume they're not touching that, right? I mean, I wish I had a, an answer that I was more proud of. I have so much respect for people who are like very clear about who they are and what they want to be at a young age. I think that's such a gift to like know what you want and then have a real path forward and a real plan and go after the things they want. And I think I didn't know what I wanted for sure. I think it's really, I don't want to say a curse, but I think it's really dangerous when you're being told from a very young age, 
that you're beautiful. Right. I think. No, no, and of I, course. And I, you know, and yeah. I know like that sounds like, oh, crime. No, 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 no. I get it. I understand what but you're saying. hundred like, percent. It's really toxic looking back, thinking about how many adults were comfortable commenting yeah. on the way I looked since yeah. I was like 11. Yep. You know, yep. I was tall. I was like, yep. looked older than I was. So many adults commented on my appearance. And I think about it now because when I, see Valentina and her friends and she has all these gorgeous friends and I I stop myself every time my instinct is be like oh I'm sorry you're so beautiful I do too stop myself I do too because it's not healthy it's not you're right it's just not healthy it gave me a really convoluted perception of things and honestly I think it was like, oh, okay, everyone's been telling me like I'm beautiful for so long and how people would tell me, by the way, at like 14, why aren't you modeling? Right. Are you, are you crazy? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you modeling? And it's like looking back and like, cause I was fucking 14 and I was, and I was in, I was in eighth grade or ninth grade. Like why are adults saying this to me? Like what the hell you should, that shouldn't even be on your radar at that age. And so I think as I got older, like in high school and I'm 16 and I'm 17 and people are like, keep like, oh my God, like, why aren't you? And then I had an older boyfriend mm-hmm. and a much older boyfriend uh-huh. looking that. back. I'm like my poor parents who like tried to like pay him to not date me. Okay. <laughs> Gotta respect it. As he didn't we take would. Money. As we no, would. My dad, you know, my mean, dad offered him money. Like I will pay did. you to stay away from my daughter. And he didn't take it. You gotta, you gotta respect it. I was very studious up until like 10th grade. I got straight A's. I wore a pen around my neck. I was like, <laughs> I want to go to Stanford. I had Stanford pens and notebook pads. And my mom took me to visit Stanford when I was like 13. And I just, I went down the wrong path and not the wrong path of like, I never did drugs. No, I never, no, no, I've never tried a drug. No. I was never like promiscuous. I was never like, I never got like wasted, but no. I went down the wrong path where I really, I wanted to be an adult. So I started dating this older guy and I like created this adult life with this guy. I mean, granted, he wasn't like 40, you guys, he was like 20 or yeah. eight or ni- yeah. 19, yeah. but I was 15, yeah. you know, and that was a lot older. So I started going like, oh, I just want to be with this person. I just want to be with this person and I want to like be a wife and I just want to live this adult life. That's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. And so I think as the years went by, like now I'm in 11th grade and then it's getting close to college. I'm like, I can't go to college. Like this guy will dump me. He'll dump me or he'll cheat on me. Like I can't go anywhere. I have to stay here to be with him. And that was the thing Holy that shit. really, really kind of derailed. Yep. And I don't want to like, I, I hate it when people blame no, you know, outside. No, no. Yeah, I You're was not like, playing victim, but no, I was looking for love and I was looking to feel like safe with somebody, and I found it with this person, even though it was like the most toxic relationship ever, and he cheated on me all the time, and he partied. And... Oh, same, same. Had the same guy, same, same age, same guy. Yeah. So it came time to. I knew we had a rule in our house. Like you go to college and you get an allowance and college is paid for and all those things. Mm-hmm. If you don't go to college, mm-hmm. you're on your own mm-hmm. was sort of the, the, the thing. So I'm getting closer and closer to that. Like, you know, you're supposed to apply, you're supposed to whatever. And I'm like, it was really a tough situation. I didn't, I really didn't know what to do. So 
I decided, okay, my only way to stay with this guy and, you know, not be able to figure it out, be able to figure it out is to, is to go, okay, I'm going to model. And so that's that. How crazy is that? Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I started doing like pretty okay from the beginning. Like I remember I got like a Tommy Hilfiger campaign Uh and I got like, I got a gap campaign. Uh Yeah. Like Uh I got like, I definitely got stuff, but like I would show up. Like I remember Pamela Hansen said, Mm -hmm. she said to me once, she was like, you know, if you want to do this, like you have to take this seriously. You cannot show up late to set. There are 50 other people here, you're a model. And this was, by the way, like, this was like 20 years ago or more, 22 years Mm -hmm. ago where the modeling industry was very different. And Pamela was like, lovely. Oh yeah. But like, oh yeah. It was very different. Oh no. You got yelled at. You got real reprimanded (laughs) or canceled. Yeah. Oh, I remember getting fired off of like a Jake. I got fired not because of my attitude, but because they didn't like my look like halfway through the shoot. They were like, her teeth are weird or like her smile is weird or something. And like, I heard them say it and I got fired like mid. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. And you can't, by the way, thankfully you can't do that anymore. Thankfully. And it's a different world. But I think in that sense, like, okay, so you go on, you're modeling, you're not loving it. You're like, I'm not winning at this. You, you do some acting in my opinion, of course, you know, I may be Well, no. Okay. So So I went from, I also want to say too about that is, we have jumped the shark a little bit because, I mean, a lot, because yes, thank God times have changed and people have to be respectful. Yes. And people have to talk to you a certain way. Yes. And we, thank God all of that. And women feel safe in the workplace. It used to be like you would go complain to HR and you'd get fired. Now we're protected. So 100. these are all the, the good things Agreed. about the change. But I do think now we are like, it's not okay to fire people anymore. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, if you're not doing the job, you need to be fired. So today, it should have been that like, it was handled in a respectful way. Like, Sarah, we're so sorry. We'd like to pay you for the rest of your time. You're wonderful. We're just, we're gonna, it's not worth whatever it is. Like, like, guess what? It's okay. Like you, you were allowed to, brands should be allowed to go in another direction or do what's best for you. But now this generation is like, cannot was like, you're not allowed to be fired for doing a bad job. Isn't it crazy? You can literally just like fuck up so hard at work and be offended then if you're fired and you're like, all of a sudden you want to be like, oh my God, this company is the worst. They fired me for not doing my job. Yeah. What? But here's the thing, Sarah, I think you've turned the frown upside down and I think you're very candid about having your ass kicked in certain ways and certain things. I think you're very candid about the privilege you've had. But at the same time, like you said, I don't think you found your real groove until an older age, right? Like, yeah. I, I, but I, I want to also say that you're an incredibly handsome mother and didn't leave your kids for many years, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my trajectory is like, so from the modeling, so from there, then I started hosting a show on MTV. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is going to be like major. I'm going to be the next like Carmen Electra or something. I don't even know. I was like, or whatever. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, oh my God. Cindy Crawford even. But by the way, if this had been now, the Backstreet Boys video, all those things with social media, like, you know, now you go and you like shake your ass in a video and you have a career. Like, hello, do you know how many times I shook my ass? 
<laughs> I mean, I shook my ass so much and nothing happened. <laughs> it's, uh, it could not be more true. Honestly, oh if God. social media had existed at certain points in your career, in all our careers, I, Hello. it would have happened Even 10 years people I dated. I, I mean, now like you date, you date like a reality star and you get like a freaking magazine <laughs> a TV cover. show. Yes. I'm like, you oh get invited God. to the mat. <laughs> oh my God. But imagine how like real celebrities feel like imagine like the Julia Roberts of the world. She's like, do you know how hard I had to work to get a Vogue cover? Like, do you have any idea the things I had to accomplish to get a Vogue cover? So let's fast forward. Okay. So what happens? So you start acting oh, yeah. in Backstreet oh, yeah. Boys oh, yeah. videos okay. and then what yes. happens? Okay. So I, okay. So I'm in the music video. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be Alicia Silverstone. This is amazing. <laughs> and then like, that doesn't happen. And then, and then I'm like on MTV and I'm like, I'm going to be Carmen Electra. And that doesn't happen. And then I get this audition for this movie. And I'm like, oh, okay, should I go, should I audition for this movie? It's like a huge movie. Uh -huh. It's like Owen Wilson uh -huh. is in it. Shooting in Hawaii. Yeah, and Morgan Freeman's in it. And I'm like, I'm never going to get this. I go and I audition. And they're like, oh, she's pretty good. Like, we should bring her back. So I go and audition like a second time. And they're like, oh, wow, like, okay, you're, you're like really the part. Like, I think we're going to have you now read for like the producers and shit. So long story short, I get the role. Apparently like Scarlett Johansson wanted the role. First of all, big mistake. You should have given her the role. <laughs> the movie would have been a lot better if you gave it to Scarlett Johansson for whatever got, this is crazy. I got the role and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to be Cameron Diaz. Like, this is how, this is crazy. I'm going to be, Cameron Diaz. This is insane. The movie was the biggest flop ever. Premiere okay. was fun though. Premiere was fun. Yeah, the premiere was fun. I looked great. You styled me. I remember. I think the movie made like negative $3 million or something. It was like literally horrible. Okay. And I was really bad. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not going to be Cameron Diaz. So what am I going to do? So then I just did like a series of movies. I did probably like 10 movies after that and, you know, nothing, you know, crazy, but like it kept me working sure. and it kept me and it, and it kept, I kept like, you motivated. I kept my bills paid, sure, you know, like at the end of the day, like I, I had bills to pay there. Yep. And like a few times down there, you know, down the line, my dad would help me. I was going like, to say, what is David Foster yeah. saying at this point? Yeah. So David Foster is like. he's great at tough love. He's really, listen, when you're in it with him, you're like, he's so mean. This is crazy. You have so much money. Like, what is the deal? Like, like I want to be like all these other kids who yeah. have rich parents who whatever. And he was just sort of going like, girl, you better figure it out because 20 is going to turn into 25 before you know it. And 25 is going to turn into 30 before you know it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something, the microphone, what did he used to say? He used to be like, it only goes around one time and you better grab it, girl, because if you don't figure this shit out, like, I don't know what you're going to do kind of thing. Yeah. But he's in, but Sarah, that's the thing. You guys grew yeah. up in this, and I'd scream at the top of every fucking mountaintop. You and your sisters are the most grounded people that have grown up here in what you've grown up in. He did it right, and your mom obviously is my life hero. So, like, they did it right. It worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. You're grateful, unspoiled, not bratty, extremely, like, 
I don't know. And I don't, I wouldn't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean it. I, it worked. Whatever, whatever they did, it worked. I'm here to say that yeah. from the outside. Entrepreneurs know some of the most challenging times when starting a business are at the beginning. At Genesis, they've harnessed all that beginning excitement into the award-winning GV70. And with the first ever electrified GV70, you get all that stunning design and innovative tech in an electric vehicle. The electrified GV70 features the silhouette of a coupe and the capability of an SUV. The exclusive G-Matrix grille stylishly hides the charging port. Inside, discover a driver-oriented cockpit featuring fingerprint recognition, available Napa leather, and premium navigation with a 14 and a half inch HD screen. Engage boost mode for an exhilarating 483 horsepower. And when it's time to charge, DC fast charging will give you up to 80% charge in minutes. Your Genesis electrified GV70 is waiting for you. What will you begin? Learn more at genesis.com. Genesis, keep beginning. Do you want my help styling your summer? Through Curator, you can sign up to receive boxes curated with my favorite fashion, beauty, and lifestyle products every season, starting with our summer box. Valued at over $400, this customizable collection is available to members for only $125. Plus, when you join this season, I'll send you a very glamorous free gift as my way of welcoming you. Head to curator.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-U-R.com for all the details on this exclusive offer. Really trying to get better at taking a compliment because you know me. It's really hard for me to hear positive things about myself. Which all of us. I think I have, and I've always said, like, I have very low self-esteem. Like, so I've I. always had low self-esteem. And it's something I'm hyper aware of, hyper focused on and really trying to work through. So I would like to say to that, like, thank you. Like, I think he did do something right. And I am proud of looking back. I've made so many mistakes, but I am proud looking back going, wow, like through it all, we all really navigated life with integrity. We all navigated life with integrity, with clear boundaries, you know, like very clear boundaries with people. And um, so it's thank- not easy. Thank you. I actually, no. it's, it's not easy. Again, to your point, like, it's not like a complaint. It's just sort of like, but I do want people to really recognize it just because you have successful parents in whatever field and grow up with privilege. That doesn't, that doesn't mean life is easy for you. It means to your point, you're not in survival mode in the same way. And it's what you do with it. And I think that parents have an obligation to set boundaries so that there is adversity that their kids see there it's it's an exposure thing but that's that's a whole nother thing but I think it's worked you know I know everyone in your family and I and we give our kids too much I talk to my girlfriend that all the time we all do I'm like why are we making their lives so easy because it's easier it's really hard not not to we should not be doing things for our kids that they can be doing for ourselves. We need to give them unconditional love. We need to let them have like, know that it's a safe space to talk to us about anything, but they need to struggle. Struggle is good. And I don't mean, I know, you know, they need to feel like what it's like to, to just, I don't know. That's, that's just some, that's a big hot topic. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's part two and part three and part four. 
But it's it's true. Okay, so you go through all these movies and you go, okay, I'm not Cameron Diaz, but I'm working. Then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be a movie star. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so then I get a TV show. I get 90210, yes. which yeah. that came at a time where I was really like thinking I was going to be a movie star. So I was kind of like, oh, wow. Okay, like, I guess that I'm just now like, going to take like a CW show and I'm not even going to be like a lead. Like I am a huge loser kind of thing. (laughs) And that actually turned out to be something that was so great for me because it, a, it was steady work. It was more money than I'd ever gotten paid. It was a steady paycheck. And a cult TV show. A cult cult TV show, but I wasn't like a lead. So it didn't really necessarily like change my life. Like the the leads on the show were like, that did change their life. But what it did for me was it was really like, this is a fucking job, Sarah. This is a job. And if you do not like start really finding some damn gratitude that you're even on this set, you're done. Like that is where I really was like, okay, I got to come at this from a different way. I need to be grateful. I need to show up on this set every day. So grateful that I've been given this opportunity that I'm like allowed to even freaking be here. And once I started, I shifted my mindset, which I wish that as a young person, I was more in touch with the power of the mind and the power of, you know, we're all energy and our thoughts are, our thoughts are our vision board. Our thoughts are our inner monologue is our guide. And I think that if I had been more in touch with that as a young person, I would have, I would have created the life that I wanted sooner. Yeah, of course. Of course. But I wasn't. How I old wasn't. were you for 902 and a roughly like 20s at this point? 25. Okay. Okay. 25. Yeah. So I met Tommy and he was three years older than me and his life was totally figured out. I yeah. mean, he was number two in the world. He had a silver Olympic medal. He was making millions of dollars, living out his dreams in life, right? Being, you know, a professional tennis player and everything he wanted, he created. And from a very young age, he knew what he wanted very young. So so all of a sudden, he's he's so disciplined. disciplined. And he was the first guy that was like really nice to me. Like my boyfriends before were not nice to me and they're not bad people. Like I, I clearly had wounds that led me to those guys my wounds and my self-esteem issues and the way I felt about myself was why I wanted to be with these guys of course so Tommy was like the first person that made me feel safe and made me feel seen I never felt seen I'd always felt like such a loser with all these other guys I dated and Tommy was the first person where he like looked at me and saw the best in me and he and that was like such a shift it was like oh this makes me feel good, actually. <laughs> this person thinks I'm great and thinks that I'm, you know, yep. a good person and a lovable person. Yep. And so I just like went all in with that. I was like, this feels nice. So I was on the show and then doing like, you know, little movies that nobody would ever see while like cultivating this new relationship and then traveling with him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like this tennis wife and I'm like, on the tour and I'm at Wimbledon and the French open and I'm seeing the world and I'm traveling the world and I'm like being exposed to, I, I never, I didn't grow up like going to Europe. That yeah, wasn't yeah. Sure. anything I'd ever like, we didn't do that as a you family. Went to Hawaii. So, yeah. We went to Hawaii. <laughs> so I was, I was being exposed to all these different cultures and going to different countries. And like, I saw like Rome for the first time and, and all these things at like 20, um, yeah, 25 or 20. Yeah. Maybe almost 26. 
And we just got really serious. And of course, I wasn't like going on auditions or anymore, really doing any of that stuff. So I was in a weird period because I was like, okay, now I'm just like this girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And people kind of know me and I'm kind of like an actress and they kind of people think I'm an actress. But like, what am I? Like, who am I? So you had an identity crisis. Yeah, but also like an identity crisis from an identity crisis. Right. Like, I don't think I ever really like knew who I was, like really, you know? And I think my self-worth was always tied up with like who I was dating, right? Oh. It, like it gave oh. me like currency, like, oh, you're dating this person? Like, let me see you to your table. Let me whatever, like, oh, your dad is this person? Let uh-huh. me see you to your table. My currency was like, who am I dating? Who is my dad? Uh-huh. And and how do I, and how I look, right? Uh-huh. But I knew like- Which is a I very always- LA way to grow up, by the way, as you know. That's yeah. like a very, I think that's the thing. That's why some people are like, I don't want to raise my kids in LA because that is a, that's a thing here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's normal I mean, I don't know here. That- <laughs> yeah, it is normal. It is normal. But- Whatever normal I- is, but you know what I mean? It's- yeah. I-, I think if you're living in Missouri, that's not a way that you grow up. Yeah. But I think now, but now you are I right think in Missouri, you go on TikTok and right. you go, Oh, I can put foundation and mascara on and make millions of dollars. Like <laughs> we're now encouraging our daughters to be fucking makeup influencers. No. Like, what? God, no. I'm sorry. Please I'm don't. sorry what? And it's no disrespect to the people that no. have actually turned it into a, you know, a source of income and a business, but let's not raise our daughters to strive to be makeup that. influencers on TikTok. Have it be a hobby. Like, Have that be the secondary, right? Yes, great. Do that. But that we now, we've just watered down what it takes to make it in life. And whatever, and I, that doesn't mean no, being no, no. famous. A hundred percent, whatever success looks like. There's whatever a, the, success looks like to you. But now I think there's just this pressure. It's like, if you don't have a TikTok or you don't have a voice on social media, who are you? I mean, if you're not really- raising money for a business by 18, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, so you're a tennis wife, you're a sort of actress, sort of model. You're all like, who the fuck am I? Because I'm defined by who I'm with and the family I come from. So then at what point are you like? Yeah. I mean, in today's world, I'm an actress because in today's world, if you're like kind of on a show, then you have millions of followers. 10x, a hundred percent. Millions of followers. You're a successful person. You're because you're also like an influencer. But like, can you imagine ago, how many followers you would have had, Sarah? Oh my God. 20 years ago, being on a hit show, I was kind of an actress. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. 20 years ago, because 20 years ago, it took so much more to be an actress. You sure. couldn't just sort of be on a show, it, you know? Of course. Yes. I'm doing all that. And then I'm kind of just giving up a little bit. I'm kind of just like, okay, I'm just going to live in Florida. Like Tommy lived in Florida and I'm just going to like support him. And... I mean, look, if I had some like incredible career back home waiting for me, I probably wouldn't have done that. But it was a good narrative. It was a good narrative. Like, I'm just going to be with him, you know, even though it was like not that much, not like that much was waiting for me at home. Anyways, I'm going to land the plane because I've been talking for hours, I feel like. So we ended up getting pregnant when I was 29. I got pregnant with Valentina and it was like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. And I think I still want to act, but it's okay if I don't. Like, I'm going to be a mom. I had Valentina. I had no nanny. I had no help. I breastfed her for two years. I was like the mom that I never thought I could be. I was like, I'm too selfish to be a mom. And then it turned out to be like- The best mom ever. Well, just, I don't even know like the best mom no, ever because but that's you all had like, like a, a thing with me. You didn't, I mean, uh, yeah, it was a I just, 
it was just like, it's a wrap. It's a wrap on life. I'm never going out again. I'm not seeing my friends. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be with this person every second. And I won't like let anyone else touch her. And I'm going to, she slept in bed with me for three years. And then around 32, 32 or 33, Aaron called me and was like, I have an idea for a show. And I think we should write it. And I think we should pitch it. I was like, what? I'm like here with my two-year-old or three-year-old. Like I can't be writing a show right now. Like I'm potty training her. And she's like, no, I'm telling you, it's a really, this is a really good idea. It's kind of like a curb your enthusiasm, but for like blonde, like wannabe Mm -hmm. celebrities. Okay. That sounds weird. I was like, that sounds weird. So she's like, no, you trust me. And then we started having calls with our team, with our management team. And, and it started going like, wait, maybe this could work. And then a bunch of people were like, do you know how many idea, how many like curb your enthusiasm style shows people go in and pitch? Like no one, no one's going to buy this show. Like, all right, well, we're going to try. So we went, we, we wrote it out. We wrote the pitch. It took us like a couple weeks. And then we went, we started pitching the show and the show was barely famous. And it was really that never continued and I will mourn it it forever. Yeah. It was really ahead of its time. And for as bad as the ratings were, it felt like everybody saw this fucking show. So it read what it did is it completely changed the trajectory of mine and Aaron's life because all of a sudden we have top executives, top producers, top writers, top, like all the things reaching out to us being like, you guys wrote this show. This show is genius. I'm getting now called in to go like audition for comedies. I had never been looked at as a comedic actress. Like I couldn't get a comedy audition to save my life. And all of a sudden, like we're being like taken seriously. It's crazy. Like we're like, how is this? We're doing New York times articles and we're like on the James Corden show. Because it was the best fucking show. It was fucking genius. You know, (laughs) Like it was pretty fucking genius. I have to say it was on the wrong network and it was, it was on the wrong network. Yeah. But we had the most unbelievable writers. We had the most unbelievable guest stars like yourself. And it was, it was really kind of, it was our interpretation and our commentary on this crazy world that Mm -hmm. we're all like Uh living in now where her and I play these like super delusional people, which I think we're living amongst a lot of really delusional people. And it was our commentary on it. And it just, it changed our life. The all, I would say the only reason we have anything that we have today is because of Barely Famous. And I'll tell you why. It just, it sent us down this whole new train. It just put us down. It sent us down a totally different road. So from that, we then sold a show to HBO. Then we get a a production deal. Then we get Whitney Wolf calls us and says, my, all the girls on my team are obsessed with Barely Famous. Would you please come and speak? Would you come speak to all my employees and to ladies? And then from there, we become the creative directors of Bumble. And we get equity in the company and we're we're advisors to this tech company. And then from there, we start getting all these other deals and it totally changed our life. And my instinct for so long was to always come from a place of no. And I always talk about this and looking back, I'm like, I wish as a young person, I said yes to everything. Of course. I wish I said even things that I thought were beneath me, even things that I thought like I couldn't do or things that I thought were lame. I wish I said yes to everything. Your twenties are the years to say yes to everything because you never know where it will lead you. It never, you never know who you'll meet along the way. And I started saying like, yes, I started fully getting out of my comfort zone. By the way, when we took the Bumble job, people were like, that's lame. You guys are like now finally becoming these like 
you know, actress and writers that people are starting to respect. And you're going to go like work at a tech company. That is so lame. People told us not to do it. People told Whitney not to hire us because like, why are you hiring, you know, entertainment right, like this people? This makes no sense. You this, makes, this makes no sense. Sure. Like this makes no sense. But, but Whitney thinks outside of the box. Mm -hmm. And now, mm -hmm. you know, six years later, every actress, every singer, every model, they're all just looking for a company to yep. be advisors yep. to or investors or, or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to say like, we're some, you know, fucking trailblazers. But like when we did this in 2017, people told us it was a really stupid move. And this lesson is you don't listen to other people, you follow your own, right? <sighs> You're right about yes, though, Sarah. You're right about yes, because the best lesson my father ever taught me was to never turn down an opportunity that has not been offered. Take every meeting, go to every interview. Don't say yeah. no to something before you walk in the room. Because I used to do that in my 20s. Because you're like, what? This doesn't make sense for me. No, no, no. I'm not right for that. That's not my thing. I would never do that. And the biggest fucking game-changing, life-changing opportunities come from the thing you don't even know about yet. Totally. Or you think, like, I'm better than that. Or what's that even going to, you know, oh, this will be lame. Or... My friend will think this is stupid. It's yeah. like nobody else is waking up going, how can I make Sarah's life better? You are the only <laughs> person waking up wanting to make your life better. Yep. That's it. And also, listen, unfortunately, a lot of the times the advice you're given from friends, they are bringing in their potential negative experiences or their imposter syndrome or yep. their resentment or their shit, which yep. is human nature. Yep. If someone's going to ask me, oh, what do you think about this? It's normal for me to bring my experience or my feelings toward it, my own personal shit into my response to you. hundred That's normal. And that's not fair. So you have to take advice with a grain of salt. If we had a, if we had to listen to all the people that told us not to take the Bumble job, not to partner with the company for favorite daughter. Everybody yep. said to us, raise money, just raise money, do it on your own so you can own more. We were like, no, we'd rather own less. Negative, negative, negative. We'd rather own less and partner with a company that has the infrastructure to grow the business. Yep. Like we're way would rather own less of the company and do that. And everybody told us, you're fucking stupid. No, you should not do that. 100%. Right, and we though. listen to basically nobody. <laughs> and look at fucking favorite daughter. I'm so obsessed with it. And watching you and Aaron and Jordan do favorite daughter is life because, and also like it's the irony. And I, I for me personally, I think my favorite thing about what all of you do, honestly, is that you take such humor and humility in yourselves. And I think that's the most important thing because. I've always made fun of myself. I'm so hyper aware of who I am and really laugh at myself most of the time. But I think for you guys, I think you have a really nice mix of really knowing exactly your place in each part of what you're doing. And I think that it's very important to do that because I think that's what keeps you human. And I think that people's attraction to you and to Aaron and Jordan, you're all your own people. But I think it's really like you own the fact that you shouldn't be doing this, but I am doing this, but now I'm influencing and I know I'm not an influencer and my daughter's making fun of me. And like, I, I think that that is to me, one of the most attractive parts about the brand and the business and yeah. even launching oversubscribed. And I think that like 
launching over subscribed, you said to me, which is a really good point, when, when you're getting into being a venture capitalist, you're like, I got sick of writing my own checks only, or I was running out of my own money to write, right? And you wanted to do this in a bigger way. Listen, I think we're living in a time now where it's like very zeitgeisty and very cool to like be an investor sure, and be an advisor and all that is great or whatever. But I think you have to be really careful. It's, it's no joke. Like it's a risky world. <laughs> yeah. Early stage investing <laughs> is a risky world. I, I, if I could have chosen, I would have just been an angel investor. Of like course. I wish, I wish that I had tons of money mm-hmm. where I could just write my own personal checks. Sure, 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 of course. Yeah, where I could write my own personal checks. And that is obviously what I'd prefer to do, but I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. capable of doing that. So what happened was we were we were meeting with founders who were really impressive, building businesses that we really wanted to be a part of. We would get allocations mm-hmm. into, you know, their yep. seed round, pre-seed, whatever it was. And we'd be like, shit, we could write a $150,000 check into this company right now and have like real ownership. But like, I can't afford to lose $150,000, you know? So that, that was the impetus for, for oversubscribe. But you know, with favorite daughter, the reason why I think it's working is because yes, it wouldn't be authentic to me for me to go and, you know, build some clothing company of gowns and, you know, thousand dollar dresses. And then I would be like, what is she doing? I wear my sweats all day. Mm-hmm. I don't spend money on clothes. Like I, I, neither I've of never you. spent, no, we don't spend money on clothes. Like I could never buy some like super expensive coat. It's just not who I am. It's like not. even if I had, even if I had the money, I wouldn't, no. you know, like I would never go buy expensive jewelry. Like it's just no. not who I am. No, Agreed. I don't care about those things. No. But the reason my favorite daughter works is because it's for that girl. Yep. It's for the girl that wants to be at the cool party and wants to be around the cool people and wants to feel like she's fitting in, but doesn't have the bank account to go buy those clothes. So we wanted to create clothes for that girl. Like you can go buy a pair of, you don't need to go buy those Celine trousers, like buy the favorite daughter trousers. They're $200 and they look just as nice. I mean, maybe a little less nice, but. Or or you can buy a sweatshirt or you can buy a sweatshirt, right? Or a t-shirt. No, no, I agree. Yeah, so that's why it's, it's working because we launched a business truly like from a very authentic place. And I think everyone throws around that word authentic, authentic. And it's like, it's not authentic anymore. This, this word authentic is no longer an authentic word. <laughs> so I can't take it's so it. True. It's like brand DNA. It's, it's oh like DNA. God. What's the DNA? What's it? Yes. It's, it's, no. it's, it's an overused word. I would agree. I would agree. It's an overused word. Well, Sarah, I think you're at the top in a lot of ways. I think you have a lot left to do only because I just know you and I think you're going to do a lot more. There was this thing that came out on social media that I posted the other day that was sort of like your horrible day is someone's dream success. I think at the end of the day, I think from where most people sit, you're very much at the top. I think I'm never going to feel like I'm at the top. I feel like I have a thousand things I have to do left. I don't think most people who we perceive to be at the top of their field feel that they're at the top of their field honestly. I think that there's a lot that you're going to do, but I mean, what's, when you go to sleep at night, what do you think about? What's the things that keep you up and what wakes you up? Well, first of all, I think that we're all like really brainwashed when it comes to what is success. I think for this like social media world and the world that we live in, it's like, it's nothing is enough. It's never enough. Like when is it 
enough. Like I am successful. You are successful. Mm -hmm. Like it should be enough, you know? And I think, you know, somebody, someone said to me once this thing and it like really hit me. And I think about it all the time when I'm like frustrated or when I'm feeling like frustrated that I didn't get this deal that I wanted or this, this, and it always just like resets me. And it's like, it's just so true. People that are healthy, have like a hundred thousand wishes and desires and things they need to do and things that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But people that are not healthy have one wish. What's their one wish? To be healthy. That's it. It's true. And it literally, I take it for granted all the time. Like the fact that we just get to like wake up and not have a care in the world and go about our day and our kids just get to go to school. This it's just not like that for most people. Mm -hmm. Like most people like there's so much sickness yep. on this planet. There are so many things. There are so many people that can't get out of bed, whose kids can't get out of bed. And it's just the thing that always resets me. Like when I'm thinking about like, I need this and I want this and I wish for this and I did it. I think about those people. I'm that healthy. My kids like, are healthy. My family's healthy. We're okay. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we hear that all the time. And I just want for my kids to be healthy. But like, if you really sit and think about it, it's like that should just reset you instantly. Yeah. I will say that it does for me because when things get really rough, I have to tell everyone's like, wait, why are you fine? I'm like, I'm fine because my kids are looking at me smiling. They're fine. So yes, I picture, agree with you. Nobody is more successful than healthy people with a roof over their head with healthy kids. Like that actually should be the real measure of success. The real yes. measure of success should be, I got a roof over my head. I can pay my bills. My kids go to school. There's food on the table. I get to see friends. I get to take a vacation once a year. Like shit. That is success to 99.999% of people in the world. But we are all just a little fucking brainwashed. (laughs) We are. So are you done? So that's it. We're going to stop here. We're going to stop with favorite daughter. We're going to stop with oversubscribed. We're going to stop with. No, but. but No, no, I know what you mean, but but you're correct. But actually. You're happy. Because I'm going to keep building those. I am now at a, I am now in a position where, you know, success just breeds more success. So now I'm in this position where all these other things are coming my way and I'm having to go like it's really easy to get sucked up into the like, yeah, let me take that opportunity. Let me take that job. But it's like, then you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face because then these other things that you've built are going to fall aside. So it's like, actually, yes, I have had to go. You got to focus now. You got to take these things to where they deserve to be. And you do have to, now I'm in a position finally where I do have to say no. Like the twenties, the thirties are yes, yes, yes. But now, now I am saying no. I'm going to be super honest with you so much is happening in my life where I could never have dreamed of it. I yeah. could have, if you had told me at yeah, 30, of course. I would have created all the things and have the life that I have now. I would have been like no chance. Like there's just no When you were way. breastfeeding Vivi and we were yeah. all sitting. <laughs> like that is not yeah. in the cards for me. I don't deserve it. I don't, don't I won't that. know whatever. And I'm just saying, that's how yeah. I felt though at 30. I would yeah, have said, I don't deserve that. And now I'm here and like, I don't know if I'm happy. Honestly, like I wake up some days and I'm happy. Some Mm -hmm. days I wake up and I'm like, I'm really happy. And some days I wake up and I'm like, am I depressed? I'm just being honest. No, but I think that's human, Sarah. I think that's human. We all do that. That's human. And I think that's okay. And I have have one last question for you, which is, is kind of loaded, but I feel like you can answer it. Okay. What do you want now that you've lived this insane life and you're still living it and you're going to continue to live it? 
you have two amazing daughters. What do you do there? Because you're watching, you're raising two amazing daughters in LA. I have the privilege of knowing and loving them. They're pretty extraordinary. Valentina was born 25. I mean, they're fine. They're 12 and seven. They're, they're not that extraordinary. They're, they're great kids, but no, they haven't but, done anything uh, that great yet. No, well, no, who has it 12 and seven? But yeah, what I mean yeah, is, the, <laughs> but what I mean is, do you look at them and go, how do I not fuck you up? Or do you, what every do you dream day. for them every day, right? Every Listen, day. Listen, every day I'm like, am I doing, should am I? Am I doing this right? Am I, yeah, of course. I'm like, should we be living here by the way? Should we be living here? Like every day I'm like, am I like setting them up for failure? Am I setting them up for failure? Are they going to thrive in life? Like there is no manual. There's just not like, I think the best thing you can do is like, I'm really honest about my girlfriend. I really have no time for women in my life who want to make everything sound so rosy and peachy. I have no time for it. I'm too I, I can only surround myself with people that are like honest about how hard this shit is because it's really hard. And anybody that's trying to make it sound like it's not is lying. It's so, so I, it's the hardest fucking job in the world. Hands down. Are you kidding? Yeah. So I'm really <laughs> transparent about my kids shortcomings because they all have shortcomings and let's stop trying to act like our kids are so perfect and whatever. It's also hard parenting in this day and age. It's hard being a kid in this day and age. I would, I would agree with that. I think it's even, I think it's really hard to parent, but I think it's in turn, I think it's partly because it's so hard to be a kid right now. And we're dealing with shit that we never had to deal with as kids, honestly. It's all of the above. So what I hope for my kids, listen, Valentina's like, you know, can't wait to turn 15 so she can get a job at Starbucks. And that I'm like, great. By the way, great. She's like, for her, it's like a privilege that she could, my niece works at this coffee shop here and she goes every day, like after school, like to go see and like, she's showing her how to like make the coffee. I'm like, honey, you won't make the coffee at 15. Like you got it. You start like you're cleaning, cleaning the floor. Yeah. Before you're, yeah. before you're making the coffee. No, I know. That's fine. That's fine. Like for her, she's like counting the minutes till she can go apply to Starbucks. So I'm like, okay, like that, right. Right. Like so far, like that's a good sign. I think that's great. I, I, um, they want to make their own money now. They do. Skylar wants to work. Yeah, but. And that's the thing. I'm raising my daughters to know they have to. It is not an option. So that's good. And look, I want them to be happy and I want them to feel like they can tell me anything, but I'm like a tough love parent. I'm a, I'm a real tough love parent, by the way, like my dad. Yeah. Because it fucking works. It works. Well, I love you very much. I personally have watched all of this happen and you know, listen, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's been easy for you, but I'm fucking loving watching you thrive. And I, I am because I kind of feel like you found your groove. And I love that you talk about that it's hard because there's no harder fucking job than what you're doing than what we're all doing. And it's hard. It's all fucking hard. And I don't like people that sugarcoat. And I, I don't like people that say it's easy because it's not and none of it is. And I just also think it's a disservice to women. Like it we're is. All women, we're all women who are like women empowerment women, 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 but you know then my we come on, on these, you know, we come <laughs> on these podcasts and we all, everyone tries to act like they're, you know, fucking Sheryl Sandberg. It's like, no, <laughs> like, let's all just like get a little bit of a reality check and like be honest so that maybe we can help women know Agreed. that it is possible for them. Like it is. And I think we have to just, to me, it's not endearing listening to women, like talk about their life 
from this lens of perfection, perfection. No. I just think it's, no. that doesn't endear me to anyone. No. I talk all the time. Like what endears me to somebody is like vulnerability and honesty. And I think we just like need a little bit more of that. I agree. And that, honestly, Sarah, that's why I started this podcast because it was really about everyone seeing like, Oh, Sarah Foster, she's so lucky. Or, Oh, you know, one of the incredible women I've had on the podcast. Oh my God. She's so lucky. This is like, did I, no, this isn't fucking yeah. luck. It's blood, sweat, well, and tears. Well, some of it is luck. Way. I would say some of it actually I'm is gonna luck. I'm going to say 10%. I'm going to say 10%. And the rest is constant rejection, what one would perceive as failure, what some perceive as brutal challenges and rejections. And, you know, like I said earlier, there's been several women on here who were helping their mom try and get food on the table for their siblings. And so I yeah. think it's important that we talk about that so that women and young women and women just wanting to pivot in their lives don't think that this shit's easy because it's not for anybody. Easier for some, sure, of course. Yeah. But that's okay. We accept that really and we love is, them for it. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It really is never too late. I'm terrified and so sad for girls in their 20s who at like 24 don't know what they're doing and they think like, they go, their their mental health just totally plummets because, oh my God, I'm 25 and look at all my friends. My friends are doing this and that. And I'm not, it's like, nope. what? No, pivot at 35, <laughs> pivot at 45. None of it matters. You can always pivot. And I, I, I strongly believe that. At 25, like at pivoting, I, you can start. Yeah. I mean, you can start. Yes. Yes. 1000%. Well, I love you. I love you love for being you. on. I love your freaking climbing in flats to the top. I was about to say climbing barefoot. Climbing barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> like climbing. Uh... I love you, Sarah Foster, very much. I love you. I love you Thanks madly. Thanks for having me. It's that time in the show when I answer two listener questions. So let's see what we have today. Okay, when were you the most starstruck? It's a loaded question, but in short, I would say I'm really only starstruck by designers because they really are my real celebrities. Like first time I met Karl Lagerfeld or the first time I met Donatella Versace or, you know, I mean, definitely my fashion celebrities. But I would say I worked with Brad Pitt several times over the course of a few weeks while he was off shooting a movie in Prague. And I had always, of course, like who isn't a Brad Pitt fan, but I was very, at that time, I was really working with like everyone. And I, I looked at it as my job and okay, yes, you're Brad Pitt, but okay. And then I think after spending a couple of weeks doing various shoots with him and like really getting to sort of know him off duty, I became starstruck actually after that, because I was like, wow, he actually not only is this real life movie star. And you understand why you get that title because there's certain people that really carry that with their talent and their presence and whatever room they walk into, they change the room. He's definitely that person. He changes the room. He has an effortless kindness and coolness about him, zero arrogance, zero entitlement, and insanely funny. So I became starstruck after I knew him. So that was kind of surreal. But Brad Pitt, so I guess if I'm going to pick someone, sure, it would be him. What is your favorite saying you tell your children almost every day? Definitely be grateful. I would say definitely be grateful. I would say that I, I really teach them and have taught them since they can understand what it meant that their jobs for their life are to be empathetic, be kind, be gracious, and try your hardest at whatever you do. 
and the rest is up to your parents until we're no longer in charge. And I remind them of that very often because, you know, when they start to say something that doesn't sit with me well, it's my job to correct that and bring them back to center. And I think I take that job really seriously. And I think that gratitude is probably the the best thing you could ever teach your children. And I never really want to lose sight of that. And I never want them to lose sight of that. Don't forget to submit your questions for next week's episode. All you have to do is DM us your questions to at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram. And I might just answer your question. I want to thank my friend, Sarah, so much for coming on today. I am literally dead because I honestly couldn't stop laughing. I had tears coming out of my eyes from laughing so hard. But I have to tell you, I think every time I'm with Sarah since the day I met her, I laugh. I laugh because she really just says what she means. She means what she says. She doesn't hold back. She takes full humor, I think, in herself. She's clearly very self-deprecating. But the thing I really admire the most in people is they're aware of their strengths, their challenges, and really their place, sort of, and how they really view themselves in the world or in a room, honestly. And I think I relate very much to many things Sarah said and talked about. And I think we covered a lot. (laughs) We talked about toxic positivity, how a simple compliment can really be damaging to some people, depending on how you take it. I think certain things that we say to people that we think are are a compliment and make them happier in that moment because it feels so genuine can actually be damaging in some ways and really impact, I think, when things are said to people at a younger age, especially how it can impact how they really view themselves and how they sort of move through the world, honestly. I loved hearing Sarah talk about her childhood, her thoughts on nepotism being a nepo baby, because I mean, she is, but I don't, again, view that as a negative. It's funny because I have so many people in my life that grew up, you know, in more challenging childhoods. And they're like, God, I wish I was a nepo baby. Like, it doesn't mean you don't work your ass off. It might be an easier journey to meet people, get your foot in the door, but getting your foot in the door Well, sometimes being the hardest part, you have to be able to stay there. You have to be able to do the work and have the talent and have the work ethic to stay there. And Sarah's a hustler and so are her sisters. And I think she's only just begun with favorite daughter and her fund oversubscribed. But, you know, again, she's happy where she is. She's happy to just keep growing at what she's doing and have the opportunities. And she's very grateful for them. And I think, you know, I think like many successful people, and I think specifically ones that grew up in a, in a very sort of privileged upbringing, whether it's with fame or fortune or whatever. I think there's a bit of guilt that comes with that, with that sort of, I've, I've always had everything I needed. And I think that has its own sort of issues and things to be battled with constantly in life. And this was definitely one of my favorites. And I hope that you all take away a lot from this episode without judgment, because... I think that Sarah was very candid and I think that you don't have to agree with everything that we talked about, but I think about all the things we talked about and make your own judgment, honestly, about yourself and how you approach your life. If you want more Climbing in Heels content, please follow me on at Rachel Zoe and at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things Curator. I will see you next week. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.